This is MPN. So this is the Movie Matchup podcast with Grace and Casey. And Grace had the idea that she wanted to do a podcast, or she had the idea for a podcast where we could put two movies together for an interesting pairing. And then because we like to cook and bake, we decided at the end we would include a little menu to pair with the two movies. Uh, this week uh, is a little lacking. It's more like some snacks because evil does not provide a, a, a lot of inspiration, I guess, for snacks. Or I guess it does. It just uh, maybe not in space. But <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So great. So what is our movie matchup for this week? Our movie matchup, the title we came up with was Sam Neill, Harbinger of the Apocalypse. The uh, first movie uh, in this movie matchup is In the Mouth of Madness from uh, released 1994, I believe, John Carpenter. And uh, I really wanted to do this movie because I really like this movie. <laughs> um, I, I didn't see it. I first saw it just not that long ago in college, I think, was when I first saw it. Not when it was released, certainly, because I was nine. But when, when did you first see it, Casey? I saw it uh, just a few years ago when we decided to, you know, when we were watching uh, horror movies uh, like mm-hmm. during October. Um, so that was the first time that uh, that I saw it. But then because we, you know, we we watched it, it inspired one of our friends to be Sam Neill's character for Halloween that year. I don't know if you That's remember right, that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and I really enjoyed it's, it. And it's a great, it's a great costume because people who have seen the movie will instantly recognize it um it's um actually at the at the very beginning of the movie if we're going to go through it will go through like a plot synopsis um sam milcom is uh being um escorted into an uh, insane asylum and uh and that's where uh at one point he's he's given a black crown and he draws like crosses on all the walls and on himself I don't know how you would do that with a crayon, but you know, whatever. <laughs> movie magic. Um, yeah, movie magic. So yes. that, like, that outfit with like all, all the crosses and the and the scrubs, what our friend was dressed as. But in the movie itself, Sam Neill is like he plays a uh, uh, an insurance uh, investigator. A, investigator. There we go. <laughs> it, 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 it seems more like a, a private detective, but he's just like the coolest insurance investigator. <laughs> in the world um yeah they even have a scene like at the very beginning where he's it's like straight out of a film noir where he's like putting the screws to a guy you know um like have the ac turned off and he's sweating anyway (laughs) but then he's hired to find uh this uh renowned author sutter kane who's gone missing it's uh sutter kane is like it's interesting because it, it so clearly seems like a Stephen King name, right? But uh, he, the like aesthetics of Sutter Kane seem much more H.P. Lovecraft, and it's it's all like mm-hmm. yeah monsters and old world uh, creatures and stuff like that. And so then he uh, discovers a map hidden in the like artwork of the books uh, of Sutter Kane, um, and uh, is convinced that if he followed the map, you would find um, find where he's hiding out. Uh, so he's sent along uh, with uh, Sutter Kane's editor um, in a sort of <laughs> weirdly like rom commy setup, actually, because yes. they both like they don't don't get along, and like he's like a skeptic and she's a believer, and they <laughs> <laughs> uh, they like bicker the whole time that they're in the car ride together. Um, but, yeah, I have a lot more they, details I want to go into about these things later. Yes. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and then they find Hobbs End, which is the supposedly supposed to be the fictional town uh, where all of Sutter Kane's books take place, and um, and suddenly fiction and reality starts uh, sort of getting very, very confused. So that was that was movie one that we chose. Mm-hmm. And then to pair along with it. Yeah, so I have a much shorter description for, uh, <laughs> for but no, like you're, you're totally fine. Um, yeah, so our, our second film uh, for our movie matchup is Event Horizon. Um, and then Event Horizon, in 2047, the rescue vessel Lewis and Clark is dispatched to investigate a distress signal from the Event Horizon, a ship that has been missing for seven years 
and was experimenting with creating black holes for faster-than-light-speed space travel. What should have been a simple rescue mission soon turns into unspeakable horror. Anyway, so that's our second movie. Um, <laughs> it was your idea to put these two together. Yeah. Because they Samuel... They have a lot yeah. of similar um, uh, just ideas. Of, like the, And both of them are, are sort of... Um, you know, opening gates to other dimensions and all the horrors within. Um, and, uh, of course, Sam Neill is, uh, stars in both of them and, and he's wonderful. Um, so <laughs> yeah, uh, it seemed like a good, a good pairing to me. It did. Yeah. So you had a couple alternate titles that you had thought of for the episode. Right. Well, I, let's go over the films because I think okay. it makes more sense. If Afterwards. <laughs> okay. Alrighty. Yeah. Okay. So back to in the mouth of madness then. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to start um, right at the top. I want to start with the credits, the opening credits. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Good idea. Which are um, pretty amazing. Uh, so the opening credits, there, it's, it's metal music while we're watching books being printed. Right. Uh, the most metal. And I, I did look up, actually, because I was curious, because, you know, John Carpenter writes, you know, the music for his movies. And mm-hmm. I was like, did he do this one, too? And he did. I think there was some speculation that maybe he had wanted, like, a Metallica song to mm-hmm. play. Yeah. And then couldn't get the rights. And so that this was, like, his take on a Metallica song, basically. <laughs> but it's so it's so different from anything else that he's done. And, like, it, it begins the movie and it ends the movie. None of the other music in the movie is like no no uh but yes so i i really enjoy the the metal over the printing i mean intense printing (laughs) (laughs) it's after you watch the movie i guess it makes some sense because these books are going to be responsible for bringing about the end of the world but at the beginning of the movie it just seems a little incongruous to to paradise But yes, I love, uh, that certainly stands out, having watched it now for, I guess this was, I watched it again right before we, we you know, decided to do mm-hmm. this, and I think that was my third or fourth time watching the movie. But there are, there are certain scenes that stand out in this movie, um, and have since the, the very first time that I watched it, which is why I think it's, it deserves to sort of be, you know, John Carpenter movies, I think people remember his sort of 70s and 80s output a lot more fondly than his 90s output mm-hmm. probably for good reason but I think Man the Sound of Madness deserves to be <laughs> um, uh, remembered up with the top of them for me personally I, um, yeah, I really enjoy it but because the, there are certain scenes that just really stick with you from this movie I think um, starting at the beginning before he's even on the Sutter Kane case we have that scene where uh, the insurance uh the guy who, like owns an insurance company who's like trying to hire sam neil on because he's like a freelancer and he wants him to be like a full-time employee for him mm-hmm. and they're like meeting in that restaurant yeah and you have the guy uh you can see through the restaurant restaurant window across the street uh <laughs> approaching them with an axe and like all the people on the street leave like running away from him and they're just having this conversation completely oblivious to the the madman with the axe who's approaching them. yes he just gets closer closer yeah yeah, and then he like breaks through the glass, and he has the, the like. Uh, have you read Sutter Kane? Or yeah, have yeah. you read? Do you read Sutter Kane? And he has like yeah. the weird irises yes. that are like double irises double, yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's always stuck with me. And I think even people who've probably only seen the movie once remember that. Do you read Sutter Kane? You know, is, is sort of um, sort of iconic from this movie, and. Uh, and then from there we have the meet cute with the uh, with the editor. <laughs> he's such he's so smarmy in this movie, but you just you, you, you kind of I don't know I really like him anyway. <laughs> they they want yeah they they want you to like him like even in that the scene before where he's like catching the guy who committed arson, um, yeah. you know, and he's being the cool detective. I feel like they're trying to make you like him from that. Like he's the smartest guy in the room because it's like. Ah, you tried to get away with this, but you just, you shouldn't have cheated on your wife because, (laughs) 
Which was a great comparison because we were watching this and we were drinking wine and eating pizza on a Saturday night. And then Mm -hmm. my actual husband, who is in insurance, is just sitting at his computer working, just typing on his little laptop on a Saturday night while we get to watch this movie. So this isn't what his job in insurance is like. (laughs) No, you know, I being quarantined with him for a while now, I have noticed he's (laughs) he's not, you know, he's drilling people on like. (laughs) trying to commit insurance (laughs) fraud but yeah so I I feel like you're yeah you're supposed to like him but also again you know Styles won't let him smoke because this man can just Samuel cannot smoke a cigarette in this film the movie will not let him him smoke yeah but yeah so Charlton Heston sends him and uh and Styles off on their um little rom-com setup to find Hobbs End can we talk about the scene in the car with them the romantic comedy yeah. scene in the car that's yeah. like really yes. random in in this film they're in the car he's driving she is sleeping mm-hmm. he because she is sleeping decides he's gonna mess with her a little bit and opens his glove compartment and pulls out a bicycle horn like we all have in our glove compartment <laughs> and he just like it's like a, like a clown horn like, yeah <laughs> uh, yeah and so then it, he honks it really quickly, which startles her awake. And then he just kind of pretends like nothing, like he didn't do anything. Right. And then she, he, there's also a bag of potato chips in the glove compartment. And she just takes out the bag of chips and just starts hitting him with potato chips. <laughs> and he says, never throw chips at a driver. And it's just the <laughs> most random, like. <laughs> yeah, it's. This feels like uh, something out of John Cusack movie or something like that. Like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where it's just like, oh, they, they can't get along right now, but soon they'll fall in love and it's going to be so cute. Um, and that's how the movie ends. That's, and that's and it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but then the the car ride turns um, very creepy. <laughs> and it's probably one of the other scenes that stands out the most to yes. me about this movie. Yes, Um when she's driving and he's asleep in the car and it's it's like first of all just the imagery of like driving it like out in the middle of nowhere where it's dark and like all you can see are like the lines on the road is already extremely creepy and then you have the bicycle scene yes <laughs> with the kid who uh there's, there's like a kid riding a bike that she drives past in the dark and um he has like the little cards on his um like the little spokes yes spokes the spokes of the, the bicycle wheel and she passes by him and, and like there's also a really cool shot where he's like after she passes him she looks in the rear view mirror and she can see him like lit up by the the tail lights all in red and then she keeps dri- driving and you kind of get a glimpse of a bicycle approaching once again and it drives by and suddenly it's an old man and oh my god <laughs> <laughs> me out so much (laughs) the first time I saw it uh and just that and then like when they they uh you know get into an accident with the with the the bike and and it's like the 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 kid slash old man is on the ground and and speaking in like it's like an old man face but kid voice yeah yeah you you won't let me leave yeah you know um no thank you (laughs) Yeah, and then right after that, he yeah, after he says, like, he won't let me out, the child's voice in the yeah. old man body, then, of course, like, the old man, he just, he gets up, and he's, like, standing behind her, and he just smiles, a uh. creepy smile, and then he just <laughs> pedals away. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. But, yeah, that's the one that always, that always kind of sticks with me is, is the bicycle. And then eventually we, we find our way to Hobbs End after another terrifying, like, the, the lines and the road just disappear and then she looks over the side and it's like and from the road is gone and it's like uh just clouds underneath the car or something like that yeah she's Again, like panic- yeah it's like panicking like she is just having like a crazy yeah. nightmare and she's the only one who's seeing all of this. yes <laughs> Samuel is, is asleep through all of this yes happening. yeah and then and then suddenly <laughs> suddenly we're in Hobbs end Beautiful, which is uh, supposed to be New Hampshire. So if you can picture kind of like New Hampshire, it looks beautiful. We both agreed right. that we would go there. 
I would totally vacation there if I could. Yes, it looks. It looks like an adorable town. It does. It looks like uh, a lot of people in quarantine right now are probably doing puzzles. And if you take a look at the puzzle that you are putting together, it probably looks like a photograph of Hobbs End. I, I do appreciate the use of creepy children in this movie because children are always creepy anyway. Um, and we see we see like a group of kids like chasing a, a, a dog. Um, but there's like something wrong with them and it's like mm. yeah I, I would leave then like immediately <laughs> 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 uh, and they check into an inn creepy old lady is running the inn moving painting the, yeah the moving painting the whole time styles is like calling what's happening because all of this stuff is in the books um, that Sutter Kane wrote and Sam Neill remains very skeptical through all of it. <laughs> that they're stuck. He will not believe that they are stuck in Sutter Kane's novel. Right. Um, the nerve. He thinks this is all a publicity stunt. And, um, you know, where where it stretches credulity for, to me. I don't know why this is this is the point for me. But when uh, he talks about the, the church, the, like, black <gasps> church with the spires. Uh-huh. And... And he's like, see, it's not there. And then she's like, no, it's out this window. And there's this church that has no business being in a small town. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that. It is so out of place. And it's just like, what do you think? They built an entire church to, to like pull one over on one guy? I feel like at that point <laughs> I'd be like, okay, something's going. On. <laughs> Especially when they go to the church. And I don't know why this makes me laugh that like – the the doors to the church open and Sutter Kane is inside and there's like lightning going off around him and the mm-hmm. doors are swinging wildly and open and close and, and Samuel just goes like oh is that him yeah <laughs> is that Kane <laughs> like are you not seeing what's happening <laughs> nope we found him case closed we are done yeah they have found Sutter Kane but uh, yeah he's like in this crazy church. And Styles is trying to to convince uh, uh, Sam Neill that uh, you know they, they they didn't plan any of this that all of this is really happening. They're like stuck in a, a, a Sutter Kane novel at this point. They need to figure out how his last novel ends in order to to like get out or escape or whatever. And uh, then she goes to this is this is one issue that I do have with with the movie. It kind of feels like they did not know what to do with the. Uh, the woman with styles because mm-hmm. she goes from being like no you have to believe me this is all like real and and you know this is really happening to just like calmly walking up to the church uh to see like i guess she's supposed to be like kind of in a like a trance or something like that <laughs> but she just like walks into the church to see Sutter Kane and and then like he like shows her the final book and she's like her eyes are bleeding and and she's like under his spell completely or something yeah she ends Um, up like it's supposed to be kind of like uh i guess a sexual moment because she's just like so taken with him and then she she's like (laughs) rubbing her fingers what would be through his hair but it's like a creature stuck to the back of his head yeah yes and then um there's also like the the cronenberg door in that room that's like a wet door that's kind of just like you know uh it's not breathing, but you oh, know, it's, it's like, like pulsating. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so every everything's fine, but yes. Yeah, so then, yeah, I guess she gets taken over, or I guess the you know evil or whatever has has yeah. consumed her, and she goes she goes back to to John Sam Neil. Which then there's some moments like right after that that really remind me of the thing, mm-hmm. um, because she's like standing behind. There's like her silhouette behind the door. And there's like all mm-hmm. the like tentacles or whatever, you know, like flying underneath the the bottom of the of the door. And then they come, they get sucked like in. And then she just walks out as if she's totally fine. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and we're dealing, and we have the uh, the creepy old lady during this this part as well. I think. Yes. And Samuel's kind of distracted by the old woman who's. Um, keeping her husband like chained and naked to it's a little little kinky i gotta say yeah yeah um and also a very startling image when they like pan down to the old woman's husband so there's a lot of back and forth within the town um 
scenes of like, oh, we're going to go out and investigate. Now we're back at the inn and then we're out, you know, looking for whatever. <laughs> yeah, because she... And then we're back at the inn. Yeah, because she like, he wants to leave, but she takes the car to go like see Sutter Kane. And then when right. she comes back, he wants to leave. She no longer wants to leave because she's now part of this evil town. So then she punches him. So then Sam Neill can punch her. And then <laughs> he tries to take her out of town. And then she does the, um, like, uh, the actor would have to have been, like, on her back, like, doing a bridge and walking around. And then does a thing where she, like, flips over and is now walking on all fours the other right, direction. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, which is uh, really neat. But yes, so then he's trying to leave the town and he can't. He keeps getting like sucked back into the town. There's the, yeah, there's like a loop where he keeps getting, he, he tries to drive away and then it's like he just keeps driving towards the town and all the townspeople walking toward him like creepy zombies. Like he tries to drive through, right? And then he sees Styles and like gets in a car accident. Yeah, he crashes the car because he's not going to hit her. Yeah. Which, eh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, gosh. When does he go to the bar with Vigo? Okay. So that's like before. That's when um, Styles takes the car and he's just sort of stuck in the town is when he goes to the bar and has a beer with uh, the painting from Ghostbusters 2. Yeah. (laughs) We all remember Vigo, the painting. Uh, Yes. So, Ego the Carpathian. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Who's like a, a, a small town guy in this. Um, like a farmer or something. Isn't he wearing overalls? Yeah. And he's like trying to get his. He's trying to get his son. Right. Is that what he was doing when he was like right. the mob at the church. Going to find Sutter Kane the first time. Yeah. Yes. That's right. He's trying to get his son from, from Sutter Kane. Which I, I guess is sort of. I'm, I, I would be curious to read. Uh, in the mouth of madness because when i when i watch the movie it seems like okay the plot is about this this guy and his son who's like uh you know the like the omen type thing or something like that you know Mm -hmm. but then um in the film adaptation (laughs) it clearly stars uh sam neill so i guess not i guess this was always just a minor uh plot point in in the uh story within a story huh yeah, because I wonder, like, would his kid be one of, like, the demon children? Um, that he we... seemed special. Like, all the ch- children were running around mm. after the dog, but the his son was, like, in the church. Oh, okay. All right. Right? Oh, so that's, like, a, that's anyway. like a Vigo thing. Because <laughs> also in Ghostbusters 2, he's trying to get Oscar the baby. <laughs> all right, so we found his thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. <laughs> But it's interesting because even at that point, when he's in the bar uh, with Vigo, he's like still trying to convince himself that this is all sort of some sort of publicity stunt, and it's like, dude, <laughs> for an insurance investigator, for, yeah. for the one, <laughs> come on now. <laughs> <laughs> but at yeah. least he listens to him after that, and he does try to leave. <laughs> yes, but yeah. So after he crashes the car, then he ends up going to uh, like there's really nothing for him to do. He just ends up going uh, to Sutter Kane at that point. Right, to the church. And uh, it's when uh, I think Sutter Kane's uh, whole face opens up. <laughs> yes, he gives him his book to take back, you know, to the to the world. And we see right. the the big tunnel, uh, or like a vent horizon sort of tunnel. Um, yes, the hallway of, uh, of monsters, basically. Yes. Um, um, yeah, and and it's interesting. I read, I don't know how true this is because I haven't, like, you know, Styles takes the book from him at, at that point as he's looking, like, down into the, like, cavern of, like, monsters that mm-hmm. are coming up mm-hmm. and, uh, and starts reading from it. And I guess that language is directly pulled from A.T. Lovecraft. I mean, they must have changed it a little bit in order to not get sued. But, <laughs> oh. but uh, apparently it's, it's, it's extremely similar to... Um, some passages from H.P. Lovecraft. So, um, again, it's weird that they name him after Stephen King when it's so clearly a Lovecraftian uh, author. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, maybe because they call out Stephen King in it because they're like, oh, he outsells 
Stephen King, and so they don't want him to seem like he's yeah. exactly you know that. It's- but then why name him? Why name him Sir Kane, which is so clearly meant to be? <laughs> like why? Why not differentiate him a little bit more? <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't. I, I I don't know. I cannot tell you that. Um, but yeah, he he goes down the hallway, and all these like you know old ones are like following after him. It's a really cool sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love like the monster effects in it. It's it's, but I think John Carpenter does so well is that the, like really cool effects, but he does not show them completely, so that it it remains. It has that that sort of like that air of mystery that makes it all the more creepy, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I've seen like some some pictures from behind the scenes. It's actually like a there, there are a few like guys in suits, um, like monster guys in suits, but mm-hmm. the main mass is actually like a giant wall of of monsters with like moving parts so they just like pushed the giant wall of monsters after him um but you can't really tell because the whole thing is either it's like out of focus behind his shoulder or you just see like a a, you know clawed hand reaching out or like a snarling you know face or something like that but really well done i love that scene yeah (laughs) and then he wakes up outside on the road uh (laughs) Oh, we get a little, we get a little cameo. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, in the form of a different kid on a bike. Uh, little Anakin Skywalker. Mm-hmm, little Hayden Christensen. Shows is, up. Yeah. Yeah. Was this his first movie? I think it, I think it was. That would have been, okay. All right. Producer Ryan's gonna, gonna look that up right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he comes out and he's like safe. So he's out of Hobbs End. Hayden Christensen has never heard of Hobbs End. Um, but yeah, so he is, he's safely out of the town. Um, and then he's just trying to get back and he, he can't get rid of this book. Yeah. <laughs> the book just keeps appearing. Um, which is funny because later when he goes back to, uh, Charlton Heston and is like, tells him his, his tale of everything that happened and how crazy it was. First, Charlton Heston says that he never sent Styles along with him. He never sent anybody along with him. So uh, wah. And then he also yeah. says that the book's already been published. <laughs> it's already in production. Or like it's been out for seven for weeks. Yeah. Seven weeks. Yeah. So it's like, why did he need the manuscript at all? <laughs> well, he says he he said he turned it into him. He like says that he turned it. Yeah, I, that's a weird, a weird thing. I guess it's just to be like, like really like disorient you all the time that he's like trying yeah. to stop it so much. And then it's like, you already turned it in seven weeks ago. <laughs> And then, and then he's trying to tell him, like, pull it. Pull the book. Don't pop. Like, <laughs> but I actually wrote down, like, uh, oh, I don't know if you have it written down, like, the, the dialogue, like, right after that. So, no, I don't so. Okay, so Sam Neill, John says after he's like, I know this book will drive people crazy. And Charlton Heston says, let's hope so. The movie comes out next month. <laughs> Oh, gosh, but we almost missed. I do appreciate the like whole thing of him trying to get back because then we get the scene on the bus where uh, Sam Neill is, uh, he falls asleep and suddenly Sutter Kane is, is sitting next to him and he has the, that, um, did I ever tell you my favorite color is blue and he wakes up and everything's blue. Blue, yeah. And then, and then we get this like great scream from Sam Neill. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> I love it so much but it's just like everybody else on the bus is totally calm and then Sam Neill just starts freaking yeah. out <laughs> yeah. uh, all in blue and then he wakes up again and everything's back to normal but yeah so I appreciate that uh that whole it's it's like got almost like a a, a comedy like feel to it those scenes where he like can't get rid of the manuscript as he's on his way back and he's like trying to figure out where where it keeps coming from yeah yes sam neil realizes uh what's what's on the horizon and he decides to uh get himself locked up yeah he then turns into the guy with the axe and he tries to kill another person that reads Sutter kane and gets himself locked in i guess like a hospital or a mental institution mm-hmm. um, which is where we where we had come in on him so the whole story is basically a flashback from sam neil in the, in the uh, mental institution yeah, and like before we get there's like an announce like an announcer that's saying that um in the mouth of madness is uh the book is going to be number 1 and break all publishing records right. and that there like for local news there's been an outbreak of violent crime among the city's clergy <laughs> and an an epidemic of paranoid schizophrenia. Uh 
Yeah. <laughs> Which leads to him when he's in the hospital. He thinks he's the safest um, in that in that padded room. Which, you know, might be how we all right. feel right now. We're all, there is an epidemic and we're all safer <laughs> yeah. by ourselves on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. And then, well, that reminded me too of when he eventually leaves the hospital because like, there's just this, this like horrible, like, sounds are happening from uh outside like we're we're in with sam Neill in his padded uh room the whole time um but then it seems like everybody else has uh either gone crazy or died or something yeah and so he leaves and it's 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 um the imagery there's sadly looking very familiar I yeah. think, right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just like empty streets yeah there's an announcer telling everybody to stay inside um <laughs> if they're not infected and it's just, yeah, we watched this before our shelter in place um, order had come down. And so I did not realize just how timely how the imagery. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it feels <Yeah>. timely. <laughs> but uh, then he, he makes his way to a movie theater where the, the film has come out in the mouth of madness. And he's the only one. himself. Yeah. And he's the <laughs> only one there. He's the only one there. Grab some popcorn. And yeah. you do. Yes. When you're watching a movie. Um, and the, the movie just kind of ends with him watching himself on screen. <laughs> and just laughing. But, like, the bus scene is in there. Like, when he's just freaking out on the bus and he just thinks it's hilarious. and he's That's just, right, yes. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> and uh, he's just laughing at all of the scenes with him within the movie uh, on, on screen. So, he... It's great. I love that ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the, you know, this whole thing is like story within story and fiction becoming reality and stuff like that. And so the the idea of like, oh, it's the movie that you're watching now um, <laughs> is, uh, I, I don't know, it, it's so like fun <laughs> to me um, and such a, just a great button on the whole thing. Yeah, it's just chaos. It's just inevitable chaos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I enjoy it. Yeah. So that's in the um, mouth of madness. That's in the mouth of madness. All right. Okay. And then from there, we decided to pair that up with Event Horizon. Yes, where he doesn't go crazy. Oh, wait. <laughs> he definitely does. Definitely does. Even more so. He does not hold back nearly as much in this movie as he did. As in no. In, in the mouth of madness, I think he only kills one person. I think because mm -hmm. he only kills the the when he becomes the agent essentially with the axe like i think he only kills that right, one yeah. person yeah and he just you know kind of brought about all the chaos by leaving hobbs end and bringing the book back but um in event horizon he steps it up a notch um <laughs> so yeah so it's about uh this crew of people uh going into going into space and it starts out with some really great effects, I will say mm -hmm. that the, the movie came out in 1987 and the special effects look great. It starts with this rotating shot of the event horizon mm -hmm. over Earth. And apparently that scene took almost a third of the film's budget. But, <laughs> wow. But you know what? It holds up so much it later. It does. Yeah. But wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the original cut of the film was 130 minutes. Um, and it had received an NC-17 rating. Uh, it was like much more violent and it sounds like there was uh, more sexual stuff in it as well. But unfortunately, we will never see it because of bad archiving. Um, the footage no longer exists. So, yeah. yeah, so we can't see that. So we start with that, uh, I guess, even before we have uh, music right, right at the top <laughs> again. again. Yes, we have uh, the music that they were going for was like an orchestral slash techno. Uh, mm -hmm. so some, uh, it's very intense. yes, right, right at the beginning, which is, uh, which is pretty great. Um, cause who Except knew that's over like space footage, right? So it feels a little more. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that doesn't usually happen though. And just an yeah. interesting thing that happened in these two movies that we, you know, did not think about, uh, before mm -hmm. choosing them to, to go together. But yeah, so, uh, oh, and the, the actual Event Horizon ship itself, I guess, was modeled after the Notre Dame Cathedral. So that was an interesting oh. thing. Um, and then okay. I want to talk about the sets, if I can. But I can always come back to that. Um, 
for the movie just because like again with like the special effects the sets look really great like the design of everything Mm -hmm. I feel like holds up really well there's like doors that kind of open at an angle that look like teeth and then the gateway yeah there's some great production design I think in this movie it looks really good um the only thing I think that doesn't hold up in the film is the stuff that's supposed to kind of float in the the like lack of gravity and stuff but everything else I think still looks really great Um, it does yeah I think I think it also um, something about that aesthetic in particular. It's sort of like a grungy, you know, space aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, it just feels a little more. I, I don't know why. When you make things dirty, it seems more real. You know? Lived in, <laughs> yeah, like lived in. It's not. Uh, yeah. It's so sterile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like a there's a room that has it's like tiled and it has a big kind of like circular like a circular structure to it and there's a large tube in the middle that has uh it's like filled with water it looks like green water in the center mm-hmm. that comes back at the end um that's so why I, I enjoy that and then there's again our tunnel but i assume it's like our event horizon tunnel uh there's a character in it that calls it a meat grinder um, right. Yes. And that tunnel is supposed to represent the nine circles of hell from Dante's Inferno. And, oh, okay. And then when they filmed with it, they had to put a fixed camera on it because uh, the camera operators were getting disoriented and they could yeah. not keep it okay. steady. Yeah. And then even like Lawrence Fishburne trying to run through it, he couldn't do it. Yeah. So they had to put together tiny, like smaller takes of it just because it was so oh, disorienting for everybody. Um, I didn't even think about it. It's like it's like a funhouse tunnel, like when you would walk through, like you know, one of those ones where it's all, all like yeah, it's a big, rotating you know, yeah. cylinder around mm-hmm. you that that's moving, and you like grab onto the sides because you suddenly feel like you're you're falling or something like that. Yeah, but oh, those gosh, are usually really what a nightmare to film. With. Yeah, those are usually really short too. I feel like when you have to go through them in a funhouse, yeah. it's not like a full on <laughs> tunnel that it's like no, just walk through, just keep going. Ah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, I thought that that was, that was really interesting. Um, but yeah, and then they, you have to wear the space suits. Like I feel like even the, the suits and everything that they have to, to wear are really interesting. But those space suits that they're in, they weighed 65 pounds. So Ooh. the actors couldn't sit in them, but they also would get back injuries if they stood in them. So they had to set up these hanging poles that the actors could just rest on uh to be able to wear these suits <laughs> but they look great so they do yeah um, yes uh okay so we start with the event horizon that is like abandoned and it shows uh, a guy that has like cuts on his face like rotating in space and he's yelling and then we cut to sam neill on the mm-hmm. lewis and clark uh so mm-hmm. briefly i'm just going to try to go through because we have to talk about all these these different actors um, right. Yes. So there's all there's the di- yeah. There's a lot of different characters. But what I think is is odd, and I understand why they did it from a, a movie perspective because they have to introduce everybody to the audience. But like within the film, the idea would be that they have all spent 56 days in suspended animation, like in those tubes, you know, where they're sleeping, and then they all come out, and that's somehow when the crew meets. Sam Neill's character and Sam Neill meets the crew. Like I like the idea that Aussie Bull would have come to this ship, didn't right. talk to each other. Sam Neill didn't ask who any of the crew was, like who's the pilot here or anything like that. Nobody asked like who is this stranger coming on our <laughs> ship. They're like, nope, I'm going to put myself to sleep with this person for 56 days and I'm going to ask questions about what we're doing here once I wake up, once I'm 56 yeah. days like in. Uh, so yes, but... So, yeah, so they come out of suspended animation, and then Sam Neill plays Dr. William Weir, and um, mm-hmm. he explains to oh, the- let's Let's not forget that he is offered a cigarette right before he goes under. Yes. Right? <laughs> Which he does not take. He's not a smoker anymore, guys. <laughs> no. Uh, but, yes. So, he loves to smoke, though. I guess he doesn't love to smoke. He just <laughs> loves the idea of it in his films, just all these smoking things. But, yeah. so, okay, so quickly to get through the, the cast, so we can kind of try to keep track of everybody. So we have mm-hmm. Captain Miller, uh, who is yeah. Lawrence Fishburne. We have Peters, who is our medical technician, uh, played by Kathleen Quinlan. We have Lieutenant Stark, who is the second in command on the ship, played by Jolie Richardson. We have Cooper, who is the rescue technician, played by Richard T. Jones. We have DJ, the doctor, who is Jason Isaacs. We have Smith, mm-hmm. who is our pilot, who is Sean Pertwee. We have Mr. Justin, who is our engineer, played by Jack Noseworthy. 
And then joining the crew is Dr. Weir, Sam Neill, who designed the Event Horizon, which is um, – that's why he's on the ship is because the Event Horizon disappeared. Now it is back. And so they are on a rescue mission to go and like, save the crew, find out what happened to the ship and everything like that. So, yeah. So that's the setup for the film. To all the... <laughs> it's a lot of characters. It is. Yes. So they find the Event Horizon uh, and there's a recording – that they've obtained the distress signal that is mostly just screams and noise. But there is also like a scary voice <laughs> that like says a line of dialogue and DJ, our doctor, uh, Jason Isaacs, yes. he he hears Liberate Me, which he uh, thinks translates mm-hmm. to save me. Um, so they go on to the event horizon to investigate. It has to be in Latin. It's, it's like a rule, yes. I think. Of course. Well, because apparently if nobody knows it. voice. Yeah. It has to be saying something in Latin. Yeah. <laughs> so we go on to the event horizon and there's just guts on the wall. Like we're just. As if it wasn't going to tell you, you should immediately leave. There's just like guts splattered. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Mr. Justin goes through our uh, our meat grinder tunnel Um and then um, he actually ends up getting he, – he meets what is on the event horizon, which is like the gateway, which is the sphere that has um, like rotating rings around it. And the room itself has all these like spikes um, on the wall as well. It's, all it's de- a very poorly designed room from a, from a safety standpoint, I've got to say. It is. But visually from a movie making standpoint, it looks, it looks great. great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So uh, Justin goes into the gateway uh, and disappears. And he's tethered. Yes, he is tethered. Um, and I guess the uh, the gateway itself was designed to look, look like the puzzle box in Hellraiser. So that makes sense oh, when I think yeah. about it that way. Um, but yeah, so we end up, we get Mr. Justin out of the gateway. So he comes out of the gateway and he goes into a coma, essentially. <laughs> like he's... Uh, so everybody's concerned after this because now, like, he's uh, he's not, you know, responding. And this terrible yeah. thing happened. It's like there's no crew to be found on it. So and it Justin's also our little, our, our youngest crew member who's, like, just, you know, made to be, like, the most sympathetic <laughs> one that we, we feel terrible for. Yeah, that you want to take care, like, take care of. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so he has been he has been hurt, and you don't know, you know, what will happen to him. Um, so then, like while they're the ship, apparently it, it knows your fears. So while they're on it, they start to have hallucinations. So uh, mm-hmm. Peters, Kathleen Quinlan, she thinks that she's seen her son in the ship, and Sam Neil Weir, he is seen uh, his wife on the ship and uh Lawrence Fishburne is seeing the body of a burnt man that he couldn't save so yeah the ship knows your fears guys um <laughs> totally normal yeah uh so then I really enjoy the scene it's right after that is happening where they're talking about what they've seen um yeah. and Lawrence Fishburne asks Smith the pilot if he's seen anything and he's like I don't have to see anything this ship is fucked like yeah. he just knows <laughs> And uh, and Sam Neill says like you know like thank you for for your technical analysis or something like that yeah. and so and so the pilot just, I yeah enjoy the moments because there are a few of them in this movie where they react like human beings would to all the craziness that's happening yes yeah so then um, but I love- I understand it's a, it's movie and you know we we have to have a, a certain amount of movie logic from the characters in order to keep the movie going but um, those those moments are always. Uh, appreciated yeah yeah but so like that scene continues so then the the pilot tries to lunge at sam neil and then that is when uh jason isaacs our doctor gets involved and he gets a hold of the pilot and he is holding a scalpel to his throat and is like this ship is just a big hunk of metal. Nothing weird is going on. It's just like the do no harm doctor is like threatening to like cut the throat of our pilot. Yes. Yeah. So I really enjoy 
enjoy that scene. Uh, <laughs> while, while he's saying that nothing weird is going yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, this is totally fine. This is, com- yeah, completely normal. Yes. Yeah. So, uh. <laughs> tensions, tensions are rising. Um, yes. And then we have another squishy door and... Uh, Sam Neil is starting to go crazier. Sam Neil on the squishy door. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And he's going to like a little bit crazier. He wants to open the squishy door. Um, <laughs> but he gets stopped. And then that is when Mr. Justin, our baby of the group, um, decides mm-hmm. to go and stand in the airlock. And still like, oh, oh so he God. wakes up. But he's kind of been taken over by this evil still. And he's going to open the airlock and like send himself out into space. This scene is still, <laughs> it's so horrific. And like, even though I know this isn't how space actually works, like, yeah, like these days, people, screenwriters in particular, are a lot more concerned about staying true to like the science of space, mm-hmm. I feel like. Mm-hmm. And so you don't, you don't have things like this, but it's still terrifying <laughs> and just so gross. Yeah. What happens to him? In the airlock. Yeah, so they're telling him because once he has sort of started the process of opening the outer door, they can't open the inner door to bring him back in. And he has kind of snapped back to reality so that he can understand that what is happening to him. And now we feel like really bad that it's going to happen because the evil hasn't taken over. So he's panicking. So everybody else is panicking. And so... um, they're telling him to like shut his eyes and so you just see him shaking his head and there's just like blood droplets like a stream uh yeah, his, going his, everywhere like, his eyes have like exploded or something <laughs> yeah bleeding out of his skull so then Lawrence uh, Fishburne is going to push himself off of some space equipment to kind of once uh he starts to go out the airlock to push them both back inside so he does yes. that, and he catches him. Um, and then, again, we don't really see Mr. Justin. He's going to just be, you know, uh, needing medical uh, assistance. <laughs> For the rest of For the, the Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Oh, and the blood coming out of his mouth and, like, all of his veins standing out. Anyway, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. To paint a picture, mm-hmm. but it is horrific. Yes. But a very intense um, scene. Well done. So. Yes, it's it's. A very tense, um, very high stakes scene. <laughs> yes. Poor Mr. Justin. Oh, Mr. Justin. So then um, Jason Isaacs, DJ, uh, mm-hmm. he listens to the recording again and he thinks he does a better translation of it. So instead of save me, it's actually saying save yourself from hell. Yes. Slightly different. Um, so then they realize, like, they've got to go. This is not a good place. We should, uh, get off of this ship. Is this this the point where they, they watch the video and they see the guy, like, holding his eyes in his hands? Yeah, I think they see, like, the whole, the whole video of everybody, yeah. I, I, this is one of those moments that I love because they, like, watch this video and, like, people are eating other people. This guy's, like, (laughs) smiling while holding his own eyes in his hands. And, like, the video, the video cuts out and Lawrence Fishburne just goes, all right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's he's a very good uh, captain of the ship. Yeah, he is. Like, he, he's very well, like, well in command, but he keeps his cool. Like, he doesn't freak out. And he makes good uh, horror movie decisions because it's just like, okay, uh, this ship killed its crew. We have to go. We are going to blow up this ship. We are going to <laughs> yeah. fire missiles at it. So it will not Stop survive. We're getting away. Yes. It's just like, okay, so you're not going to keep us here. Yes. So that is the plan. So he should always, I, I had written down in my notes, I was like, Lawrence Fishburne should always be in charge. Yes. Um, so yeah, so then they're trying to get off the ship and get all the oxygen tubes that they need and everything like that to get off of it. Um, but Peters, um, unfortunately, she's she hallucinates and sees her son. So she's trying to chase after her son. Um, and then that leads her, I know, to fall to her death. So yeah, it's almost like a cartoon like setup to be honest like her son's just standing there across from this giant hole that she doesn't see and walks straight into yeah and like really you should know like your son is not 
on you he's know even, you know your son's not like on the show. He's back on earth, right? He's not dead. No, he's not dead. Like you would think it, that her son would be dead and so she keeps seeing him because she's just so drawn to him, but it's like no, your son is on earth with the kid's yeah. dad. Like he's like, with his you know dad. That's not him. Yeah. Um but what do you I'm not a parent, so what do I know? If I'm on <laughs> the event horizon in space and uh yeah, I don't know. So we have that, and then uh, Sam Neill starts to uh, hallucinate and see his wife. But now we get kind of a bigger picture, whereas before he would see his wife, now we realize that um, his wife committed suicide. Mm -hmm. So we see that, and uh, when he's hallucinating that, he is now ripping his own eyes out. So he has now blinded himself. Yeah, I mean, so he blinds himself. um, And then... Uh, everybody else is still. When does he? Oh, it was right before I think he sees his wife again. Um, when Lawrence Fishman is wanting to leave, uh, and uh, he says something about we're we're, we're going home, and Sam Neill Mason says, uh, "I am home. I am home." Yeah. <laughs> and in such a like creepy, like he's already gone crazy way, but then in the next scene he's not quite crazy yet, and it takes him seeing his wife again to like fully get there. Um, and it, it's sort of like it's a little bit like uh, I don't know why he would have said I am home if he wasn't already committed to this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> but okay. Yeah. So then um, we have Weir puts or Sam Neil he puts an explosive on the Lewis and Clark because or the right. because he doesn't want to to leave and so Lawrence Fishman is trying to warn their pilot like. We're missing an explosive. He has probably put it on the Lewis and Clark. You need to get off. And so um, our pilot is trying to find the the explosive on it, and he cannot find it. And, of course, by the time he does find it, there's mm-hmm. no time for him to leave. He has found it, and it explodes. And so now – There's, like, five seconds left. Yeah. Um, oh, it's such a sad – Just they just show him his, his, like, sad little frown as he realizes he's about to blow up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yes. So, so now Smith is dead. Um, so then, and they don't have a ship. Yes, and they don't have. They can't. Yeah, they. Yeah. So uh, then, uh, Lawrence Fishburne tries to warn DJ the doctor. Right. Um, okay. Can we talk about this for a second? Because yes, DJ the doctor. He, like he warns him about. Sam Neill, right, and the, that he's gone crazy, and if you see him, take him out. Yes. Um, and he goes, okay, it's done. And he grabs he grabs a bone saw, and he's not mm-hmm. the first character in this movie to do this. No, Kathleen uh, Quinlan did it earlier, yeah. Yeah, they grab a bone saw as a weapon. Guys, a bone saw is not a good weapon to use <laughs> against, like, an attacker. It's, it's literally a handsaw. Like, you have to make a sawing motion in order to do any real damage to anyone. Yeah. Like, and not only does he grab a bone saw, but first he picks up like a thing that he could use to stab someone with, like a like a pick or something like that, and he puts it down, and then he grabs the bone saw. I'm like, sir, you are a doctor. You should know what causes the most harm to a body. And then you know, well, obviously, what happens next happens because he grabbed the bone saw instead of something he could stab with. <sighs> so yes. So then, <laughs> um. He overconfidently thinks he'll be fine uh, yeah. if he has to kill Sam Neill. And then Sam Neill immediately kills DJ. Uh, with no eyes at this point now we see him. He doesn't he have his no eyes. eyes. He does seem to have like super strength somehow. Yes. I feel like the strength has has uh, appeared and there's cuts on his face. Because we're going to go through several transformations. So now we have right. cuts he- on our face, no eyes, but mostly looks like himself other than that. Um but yes, has a, like uh, super strength, and then he kills DJ and does like a Hannibal style death. Um, yes, I'm pretty sure, at least in the in the TV show Hannibal, there was one like this. <laughs> yes, just like, <laughs> hanging. like hanging. Yeah, it's also it's also a midsummer. Uh, yes, death yeah. So. <laughs> I guess that that scene was more graphic or it, like, it sounds like really all of them were, but like that one was where his guts were supposed to be like hanging out of his body since he was like suspended in the air and everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so we're... He gets it done remarkably fast too because Lawrence Fisburne starts coming for him as soon as he hears him like scream. And uh, and then he, he when he finally gets there, he's already like strung up and all of his guts are out like 
that's some fast work. It is. Well, I guess evil will do that to you. Yeah, I mean, I guess he has super strength, so why not super speed too? <laughs> why not? Um, Who knows how the devil works? Yeah, I, I don't know. Yes. So then he comes back. So we have, at this point, we don't know what has happened to Mr. Justin, but we still have alive. We have Miller, Lawrence Fishburne. We have Stark, our second in command, Julie Richardson. And we have uh, Cooper, our rescue. Oh, right. Our rescue. Is he out in space at this point? Yeah. So he, <laughs> he has like, like... lost in space for a while. Yeah. He gets, when it explodes, he's outside of the ship. So he is kind of like floating That's in right. space. That's when the explosion happens. Yeah, and so then he tries to, um, like, blow his, like, air out to try to, like, send him back to the Event Horizon. Weir comes back, and he has, I, I really enjoy this this little exchange um, with Sam Neill and Lawrence Fishburne. So mm-hmm. Lawrence Fishburne, I mean, uh, sorry, Sam Neill, he finally says, like, oh, like, where the ship went. So it's, like, it went to a dimension of pure evil. She's alive. Isn't she beautiful? And Lawrence Fishburne says, your beautiful ship killed its crew. Like, it's just so disturbed <laughs> that he would call it beautiful. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I really enjoy that. And so they try to get rid of, of Sam Neill. You think he may be dead. And then they're left on the, the ship together. But then the ship starts to fill with blood, which makes sense. Because I guess the, the writer uh, pitched the film as the shining in space. So it makes sense. So that circular room okay. that I was talking about earlier that has the tube, the tube has filled, it's become red instead of green, and it has filled mm-hmm. with essentially blood, and it bursts open, and all this blood starts to rush out, like the elevator doors in The Shining. And I was like, oh, okay, I get it. I get that makes sense. <laughs> Everything's going really crazy. Um, and then... Oh, uh, this might be, I think, the scene for another one of my favorite okay. uh, Sam Neill lines. When they point out that his his eyes are missing, mm. or that he's cut out his own eyes, uh-huh. and then he says, um, "Where we're going, we won't need." Eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know that anybody can use that line anymore after Back to the Future. I feel yeah. like it should just be off the table <laughs> for all future screenwriters because, it, like, it's impossible not to think. Yes, yeah, but you know he does his best. Yes, so. <laughs> Um, so then we have like our big uh, our big fight scene. Uh, so now uh, the ship has decided to save him, and so now Weir is bald. His face <laughs> doesn't just have cuts on it; it ha- it's like carved. It's like carvings are yeah. like in his face, and he's like a patchwork of skin or something. Yes, and he uh, he's not wearing clothes except for like uh, like a weird kind of thong situation uh but he is most mm-hmm. mostly naked um which the the makeup for that scene looks good like when they showed the close-ups of his face like the carvings and everything they look really good i guess he would get to set at 3 a.m and then it would take like seven to eight hours to just cover his body oh, God. in all of that Ugh. stuff um yeah but so then it does look great though. no it do- yeah it does uh so then miller realizes like the only real way to to defeat him is to just blow up the ship so miller decides He's going to, like, blow up that little, like, that area of the ship. And it, it kills. The hallway. Yes. So it kills. The hallway. Yeah. Our meat grinder tunnel. Yes, the meat grinder tunnel. Which I guess also, along with it and being. And then the, the, like, front of the ship can can go as, like, a lifeboat, right? And they've yes. got, like, the. Yeah, to save all the, the, the tubes with all the, the people mm-hmm. in it. But, yes. So then it cuts to 72 days later. Um, mm-hmm. and like a rescue team comes in and we do have like a, a jump scare where you think that Samuel has, has come back. Uh, Stark thinks that Samuel right, has come back. Yes. Um, but then she wakes up again. And so Cooper and Stark have survived. And then Mr. Justin, believe it or not, uh, <laughs> has somehow survived. We don't know. Baby bear. Yeah, he has survived. <laughs> so we have three survivors. Yes, and then my only other note, like from the film, is there's like flashes uh, from hell, like visions of hell, that I guess mm-hmm. there were more in the other version as well. Um, but they were inspired by 16th century Renaissance painters, I guess the the visions oh. from hell. So yeah, that is Event Horizon, and it, it does feel like at the end they're they're saying she may have brought back something with her is it just me I, I feel like that's the that's the vibe that they're leaving you with like they're trying to calm her down and 
uh, it's not working and she's like freaking out and the, the, the doors like close ominously. On all of yeah. I mean, it's possible. The thing is that it's still part of the, sh- like who can say really? That's true. The front, but it seemed like the front part also had been to the other dimension, you know, the hell dimension or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, so maybe it could still have an effect. Event horizon two. Well, we're going to get a series actually. We're going to get a series on, uh, on Prime. Wait, what? Yeah, there's like a series coming on Prime. So, uh, yeah, we'll get to we'll get to see more of it. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. You had, well, you had some alternate alternate titles for what right. like, the theme would be. And then you had, if people wanted to add a third movie onto this, you had a suggestion as well. Yeah. Well, if we, if we wanted to just do like a general Sam Neill goes crazy um marathon then uh possession is another great film from 1981 i want to say early 1980s um i've only seen once and it's very difficult to find um so that's why we didn't include it as as one of the options here but it has a lot of the same like um tentacle monsters and and just (laughs) craziness happening um very worth seeing um uh the woman who plays his wife in that is also like just uh, insanely committed to the role. And uh, I recommend it if you can find it. <laughs> um, but for these two movies, <laughs> as I was watching, I was just writing down other things that they sort of had in common or um, as a potential names for the double feature. So I've got um, uh, Sam Neill versus a very intense hallway. <laughs> um, Sam Neill has trouble waking up. <laughs> we've got we've got several false uh like wake ups like dream within a dream yes. kind of things yeah. happening yeah. in both movies. Um Sam Neill serves some controversial looks. Uh, <laughs> and Sam Neill quit smoking. <laughs> so you know. <laughs> you choose your favorite. Yeah. And invite your friends over and have a little uh Sam Neill with them. Yes. And then uh, we have some snack suggestions. We have our little yes. movie menu if they um, want something to, to eat while they watch. So we have coffee, which right. he has, in, like in both films, they have coffee. Is, yeah. Is that like the only thing in Event Horizon that they actually consume? You know, he offers coffee when they get out of the, um, the crash couches or whatever they are. Yeah. I, I think that it is the the only food uh, okay. that is in it. Yeah. We have... <laughs> Yeah, because cigarettes yeah, are not movies food. didn't give us much to work with here. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then you had found um, a beer suggestion. Right. There's, there's. I was like, Hobbs is a fun name. I wonder if there's a beer named after it. And there is a Hobbs Tavern um, that brews their own beer and will ship it. So I don't know how far they'll ship if you can. I think it's in like New Hampshire or something like that. Um, but uh, you can get some Hobbs Tavern beer. Um, maybe possibly delivered to you to enjoy along with uh, your in the mouth of madness viewing, which I think would be very appropriate. Yes, yes, it would. Um, and then we have uh, potato chips, which uh, Styles hits him with in the car in our right. romantic comedy yeah. scene. Uh, so chips would be would be good. Oh, the, there's the popcorn right at the end. Yes, which is great for any any movie, but yeah. So he yeah. has like the the movie theater popcorn. Um, I would recommend just to make it a little more special, maybe you know, popping your own popcorn. Like use like Al- Alton Brown's um, popcorn popping technique, which I tried recently, and it yields some very good results. <laughs> um, but it does involve you know actually being on the stove and stuff. But it's so much better than the microwave stuff. Make your own popcorn. It is good. Fresh popcorn is very good. And then we and have... there's also Sam Neill's wine uh, would be very appropriate for any any Sam Neill marathon. All right. Well, after quarantine, we should just do that because we'll just order Absolutely. order some of that. Okay. And then we have one last um, sort of joke item mm. on the on the list of of foods, um, which would be candy cigarettes because he's okay. <laughs> smoking is so appropriate for these movies apparently. So. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you're so stressed out. It is kind of funny that they're smoking in space. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure that would not be. 
Like, I know that they're going for like a the sort of like lived in aesthetic, but you know. <laughs> All right. You found the one science flaw in Event Horizon. It's ruined now. Yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> never mind. Cancel the podcast. Yeah. Okay. Well, nice. unless you have anything else, I think that is our first podcast for Movie Matchup. Yeah. Uh, and it's a fun one. I'm glad. I'm glad we did this. I am too. I guess if you if you want to find us online, um, I have a, a website where I post sort of like um, food inspired by pop culture, movies, TV shows, stuff like that. That's triggerednerd.com. Also on Instagram and Twitter and all the things. All right. Well, I think that <laughs> that will end our first episode. Um, until next time. Until next time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we need a sign-off or something like that. Um, yeah, should we just... Nope, we I could, got nothing. We'll just, we'll just do a quote uh, from one of the movies. And I'll just... I will quote uh, Jason Isaacs, DJ, and I will say, save mm-hmm. yourself from hell. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>